It's great to see you today. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor, and we're delighted to have you with us. And if you have a Bible, if you would turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, Mark chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, I'm going to get there in just a minute. I hope you've had a good week. I've had a great week. Um, a great week. I, on Monday, was in Appleton meeting with the core team uh, that will actually begin meeting uh, every weekend from now until the time that we launch Super Bowl Sunday, that campus. And so that actually starts uh, this weekend. And uh, then I had a great opportunity to be with many of you at the marriage retreat and getaway at the beautiful Lake Lawn Resort in Delavan, Wisconsin. And I ate way more than I should. And uh, that's a good thing. And, uh, and, then, and then to be here with you this weekend is just tops it off. A great week. I've heard you, I hope you've had a great week as well. We are in our series called One, and you won't want to miss next week as we kind of conclude this series. Our guest speaker is going to be Michael McNamee. If you know anything about Life Church, when we bring a guest speaker in, yes, we bring a guest speaker in, we bring top-notch people in. Michael's coming in. He'll be flying in from uh, Brussels on Friday and be with us for the weekend services. Michael oversees Convoy of Hope Europe uh, and has incredible testimony and just a passionate man of God and just does a great job, especially for an old man. And I'm really going to give him a hard time this weekend. So, uh, uh, and he's uh, kicking seven, almost 70. And so, but he goes like, uh, like he's 41 like me. So anyhow, I like to give him a hard time. So you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be a great time. But uh, I, I want to kind of pick up where we left off last week. And we talked about the power of one mission. Matthew gospel, Mark's gospel records that Jesus gave us this great commission, this one mission as a follower of Jesus Christ, and that's to go. Doesn't say how, just says go into all the world, whether it's Judea, Samaria, uh, Jerusalem, or through the uttermost parts of the earth, as Jesus said in Acts 1-8, to go to, throughout the entire world and preach and teach the gospel. Declare that Jesus is whatever people need him to be. And uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so this is this commission that we've been given. And I preached that last, last week, so I won't preach that again, but there's the power of this one mission that we've been given. And what are we doing with that? And I challenged you last weekend. I'm going to challenge you again this weekend. I'm going to challenge you again next weekend. If you don't do it by the third week, I'm going to show up at your house. One person challenged me to show up at their house. So guess what? I'm there. And, uh, but I'm going to do that. And so about faith promises, about doing something specifically above and beyond tithe, which belongs to God, giving an, an offering on a regular basis, believing that God can get it to you if he can just get it through you for missions. And to, to see this great commission, this one mission fulfilled. Well, today I want to talk about the power of putting that one mission into the action of one trip. And what happens when we do that. And how biblical it is to go on a mission trip. I'm going to show you the very first mission trip found in Scripture. So as I've asked you to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, let me give you a little background here. Jesus has already gone public with his ministry. Uh, he has already began to teach and preach in the synagogues and the, and the hillsides. People are beginning to follow him. He's beginning to do miracle signs and wonders. He's already called the disciples, the 12. He is teaching and training them, and they're watching him do ministry. They're listening to his teaching. They're seeing the demonstration of power. And, and, and then he, they've been observing and watching and assisting. But then Jesus decides it's time for these guys to put into practice what he's preached. 
This, friends, is what I think we miss more than anything else in the local church. And I think the lo- nothing works like the local church when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. Not because I'm a pastor, because this isn't my gig. I don't own this. It, it is simply because Jesus said that the local church was his bride, the bride of Christ, you and I together, that he loved us, that he died for us, that, he, that God loved us so much that he gave his only son for us. And, and part of it is, is that we will listen to teaching and preaching but when do we put it into practice? And many times we think that the practice is supposed to be on the weekend service. That's when the, the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, the demonstrations of power are supposed to happen. That doesn't hold a whole lot of theological water. Matter of fact, the miracle signs and wonders for those who were far away from God and who did not yet believe, where are most of those people? And the highways and the byways and the hedges. That's why Jesus says, go to the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel them to do what? To come in, to where? To God's house. Because nothing works like the local church works when local church works the way the local church is designed to work. And Jesus decides it's time for the disciples to practice what he's preached. So he sends them on the first recorded missions trip in Scripture. You got that right. The first recorded missions trip in Scripture. Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 7 and following. The Bible says this. Jesus calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out. Two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. These were their, discru- their, their instructions. Verse 8, take nothing for the journey except for a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but don't buy an extra shirt. Wherever you enter into a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place does not welcome you or listen to you, then leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they, the disciples, went out, as Jesus had commanded them, and preached to the people that they should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. The next verse, the next part of the scripture talks about how now they're all together and the the ministry resumes together. Now, I don't know if Jesus just needed a break because those guys were getting on his nerves. Maybe. Um... So he just sent them all out. Maybe he went to the Bahamas for a vacation. I'm not really sure. The Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus did in that period. I'm being totally facetious. I hope you understand that. So some people are like, oh, my goodness. He's just talking about Jesus in the Bahamas. I just can't deal with that. But, but the reality is, is that he teaches them. He, he's, he, they've seen this, and so he sends them out. And I want you to understand what's happening, why he's doing this. Same is true today. He's teaching them, first of all, that the power of who God is. Look at verse 7. It was Jesus, it was God that called them. It was him who sent them out. Anytime that you go on a missions trip, anytime that you do an endeavor in the name of the Lord, you, have to, you begin to understand one thing, that it's God who calls and it's God who sends. And there's a power to that. And, and he begins to call the 12 and he begins to send them out. And so he teaches them the value of not just going wherever you want to go. This isn't international travel. This is a missions trip and there's a difference. International travel is all about me. It's all about what I want to experience, what I want to eat, where I want to go, where I want to see, where I want to sleep. But a missions trip, a journey in essence, is about God sending you out and God calling you. And I believe that's going to happen in the course of today's service. That some of you, as we begin to talk about this missions trip, God's going to speak to your heart. Some of you, he's going to speak to you about letting your kids go on a missions trip if they're in middle school or in high school. Because there's a power in this. The second thing we see is the power of relationship. 
The, the 7B, the second part of, of verse 7, is that he sent them out two by two. There's power in relationship. Why does he do this? Well, it's real simple. First of all, uh, there, there, there's, there's three things you have to understand. Number one, two by two, they're there to help one another. Their, their hair is as, as a protection piece. If somebody gets hurt, they've got somebody with them. If, 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 if they become in danger, uh, there's someone there to come to their aid and protection. So you better hope that you get with somebody really good if you're going out two by two. This next thing is encouragement because it's lonely sometimes. When you're doing the work that God's called you to do, it's lonely. And so there's encouragement that's there. The other thing that's there is that there's power and, and strength in when you connect your faith with somebody else. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. I'll get my scriptures right here in a minute. Matthew chapter 20, verse 19 and 20, where two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. If they ask anything get according to his word, it'll be done for them by the Father in heaven. There's power and agreement. So Jesus understands this, and he doesn't send them out alone. He sends them out in a group. He sends them out together. The next thing that they learn is the power of authority. Verse 7 goes on to say that he, Jesus, gave them authority. <coughs> Excuse me. He gave them authority. This is something that's important to understand. You're not just going on your own name. You're not just going on your own agenda. You're not just doing what you want to do, but you're going in the authority in the name of Jesus. Now, two things I want to say about this and what Jesus is communicating. He's trying to let them understand that God has authority, not just for the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, who they've seen do all these miracle signs and wonders. But God has given that authority unto Jesus, that Jesus is going to give it to them. And they need to learn how to walk in that authority. They need to learn how to walk in that. Some of you have never been in a situation where you've been given the authority by God to do something by God in his name. You go to a mission trip in an international country, uh, medicine's not as prevalent, uh, food is not as prevalent, um, there's issues that, 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 that are arising. And so the reason why sometimes you see supernatural things happen there that you don't see happen here is because here we just go to the doctor, here we just go to the pharmacy, here we just pop two Tylenol and we go on, or we go to the ATM, get some cash out and go to Burger King and get it our way right away now. When you're in some of these countries, when you're in some of these areas, there are no options. So if you're, in the, if, you're in, if you're in the outback, if you're in the bush and in Tanzania or, or in Kenya, you, if you're about to run out of food, what do you do? You begin to pray, oh God, multiply the food. And you know what he does? He multiplies the food. And you know what that does for you? It, under, it helps you understand something. That the God that you serve is not dead, he's alive. And there's power and there's authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus wanted the disciples to understand this, not just cognitively, not just see that he had power, but understood that they operated in that same power. But you have to get yourself to that place where, you have, where, where, where only God's power will show up and work. That's why he sent them out. The next thing in verse 8 and 9 is the power of faith. He wants them to understand the power of faith. I love what he says in verse 8. Take nothing. And he gets very specific about what they should bring and what they shouldn't bring. Why? Because he wants them to understand it's not about you. Anytime you do a missional work for God, you have to trust him. This is hard for business people to understand because you want to compute it. You want to budget it. You want to put it down. You cannot do that when it comes to the things of God. Now, I'm not saying be foolish. No, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, uh, um, have a fiduciary responsibility and be fiscally sound. Uh, for, sure, uh, for sure. But I am saying there comes a point in time and a ministry and a mission and a missionary journey or a trip where you just go, God, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to take care of it. You're going to have to supernaturally provide. And he wants to put them there. And I'm telling you, for some of you, you go, I don't go on mission trips because I can't afford to. 
what you're saying is, I can't budget it. What you're saying is, God's not big enough to get money to me for me to be able to go. No, 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 that's not exactly what I'm saying. Yes, that's exactly what you're saying. (coughs) Excuse me. That's exactly what you're saying. And he's wanting to teach them that you don't rest on how much money you have. You don't rest on how much power you have. You don't rest on, you rest in his faith. You trust him that if he's called you, he will supply your needs according not to your riches and glory, but his riches and glory. That if he's called you, that he will be, he'll be the provider, that he'll bless your work, that he'll bless the ministry, he'll bless the mission, he'll bless the trip, but he will also take care of you. I'm telling you, I love this, especially with students. Tammy, my wife and I, we youth pastored for almost 10 years. And even this past, this, we were working on some trips for 2014, and part of the student ministries department said, we need to do a trip that lowers the cost so that it becomes an entry point so kids can go. And my response was, no, we're not going to do that. This isn't consumerism America. We're going to keep the trip. The trip costs what it costs. We're, we're making it as cheap as we possibly can. We don't have overhead. We're not making money on this trip. We're not, we're not, we're not giving money to the church or, or even to missions in that. We're simply, it's this what it costs. But these students need to learn how to trust God in faith. To go, God put it in my heart to go. I'm going to work as though everything depends upon me. And I'm going to pray because everything depends upon God. And God shows up. And moms and dads, if you don't allow your children to take, to take that step of faith and to fail, you're missing out on something. You're keeping them from missing out on something. Because there's something that happens when an infinite God flows through a finite human being to touch another finite human being. Purpose is created every single time. And they begin to understand that their prayers do avail much, that God does hear them, that he is actually calling them, and that he's actually supplying them. And it's that faith journey. And I'm telling you, we need to have our kids raise them as men and women of faith. And I don't just mean that they believe in Jesus, but that they trust him. For some of you, that you trust him. Quit trying to budget it. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to put it in a formula. God doesn't work that way. Have you figured it out? He never's worked that way. He will never work that way. I think in the heavenlies, he tries to just totally just jack our thinking up to go, there's no way to put God in a box. Duh. Hello. He's God. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's so high you can't get above him. He's so low you can't go below him. He's so wide, you can't get around him. And Jesus wants the disciples to encounter the faith, not to trust themselves, not to budget their money, not to, but to trust in him, that he will provide. We used to believe this as, as, as a church, as a denomination, until we started having money and income and buildings and budgets it's like the church of Laodicea in Revelation. They were rich and increased in their wealth, and they had need of nothing. Yet they had walked away from their first love. Jesus was trying to teach them. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how much you budget. At some point, you just have to trust them. The power of faith. Take nothing with you. And the last thing he wants to teach them in verse 10 and 11 is the power of open doors. It's the power of open doors. That God opens doors and he closes doors. If you read the book of Acts and Paul's missionary journeys, you see this thing happening of open doors and closed doors. He tells them, look, I want you to go. And if they open their home to you, you stay there. You don't opt out for better accommodations. You stay there because that's where the door's been opened. 
And if they don't accept you, i.e., there's a closed door, then knock the dust off your feet and go to the next town. This was a tradition that they would do. If they would walk through a city that they despised, if they would walk through a city that they disliked, if they would walk through a city, this was as a people group, that, that they felt were subpar, when they got to the end of the city, which is there was the, you know, the entry point of the city and then there was the exiting point of the city as the road would go through the town, they would take their sandals off and knock the dust off their feet, almost in an insulting way to go, I'm leaving this here, I'm too good for this. Jesus says to them, hey, if you go to a place and they don't accept the gospel that you're preaching, then when you get to the outskirts of town, when you get to the to the, to the uh, city limits, take your sandals off, knock the dust off your feet, and go on. Don't fight. Don't push. Just understand there's some doors that are going to be open and some doors are going to be closed. Why did Jesus send the disciples on a missions trip? One statement. Because missions is best caught, not taught. Missions is best caught, not taught. I can preach all day long about missions. I can tell you, all, I can tell you stories until, until we're all sleeping. But the reality is, is until you experience it, you don't know it. So I want to stay for just a minute, and I want you to look at a personal testimony of a business guy at Life Church who listened to a message just like you're hearing and said, I'm willing to go, and he went, and what God did for him. Check out this personal testimony of Scott Mankey. Here I am, just a, a contractor, just a lonely construction guy. And here I'm talking to God, about God in, in a place that's persecuted for your religion. Um, we went on that first missions trip, it was to Oaxaca, Mexico. With an organization that actually does, uh, it's a rehab center for folks with uh, drug and alcohol addiction. And um, they had no place for a church. They had no, no facilities. They were actually getting kicked out of the facility that they were in in, in, in town. So um, we partnered with them to build them a church. We got the actual outer structure of the church done while the time we were there. And we got to work with these folks hand in hand, these folks that have addictions and just a, a, a love for God as, as their journey moved on is from, from addiction. The last day we were there, there was a service and in their, their new church, you know, just the ground floor and all that happy stuff. But they, they had us stand up in front of all of them. And these guys came and prayed for us. And here's guys that have been through some really rough stuff and they're hanging on to me and grabbing my arms and my arms are soaking wet because they're crying. Um, just praying for me and praying for the guys that, that I'm here with. That impacted me more, I think, than, than anybody could, could ever understand. But that second missions trip was to Laos. What an what a unbelievable trip that was. Uh, to be somewhere that nobody, only 5% of the entire world ever gets to see that country and those people. And the, the things, the trials that those folks go through. Um, but we were just about done with our trip and walking, walking through the mountains. And we came back into the city. And Kevin Miller 
tapped me on the shoulder and said, Scott, I, I want you to speak. So here I am in a hotel room with the police right outside, not from the room, but right, right down, downstairs. And the police station was right, right across the street. And I'm in a communist country speaking to a handful of folks about God. And one, I don't ever, I won't know until I get to heaven if that sparked anything. I sure hope it did, but impact me. Here I am, just a, a contractor, just a lonely construction guy. And here I'm talking to God, about God in, in a place that's persecuted for your religion. I mean, what a blessing. I mean, to this day, that still chokes me up. So when we came back, um, obviously I was fired up, was telling everybody about it, telling my wife about it, praying about what do I do next? What, what, what's the next step? We changed our entire focus of not just being a business about profits and jobs and this and that. When I bring my guys in, it's about forget about the money, forget about the jobs, forget about it. it's people helping people. The money, the prestige, the growth of the business will take care of itself. It's, it's in God's hands. We take a percentage of every job. It's not profit. It's a percentage of every job goes to emissions. But since we've taken that philosophy and just been taking care of people in every job and in every aspect of our business, things have just exploded. We do things for Apple, things for Samsung, things for, for companies that, for a small business that we are, wouldn't, they wouldn't even think of. Um, we got voted on last year as Apple's number one contractor in the nation. And obviously that's all a God thing. For us, because of the way we've taken care of things and taken care of God's people, He's definitely taking care of us. But as far as missions go, go on a missions trip. See what's going on out in the world in places that we, there's no way you could ever touch and, and actually have a tangible um, relationship with somebody that's out there that's, that's trying to either follow Christ or is. Um, with the, with the passion that they have. And you'll come back a different person. Every trip that I've been on, yeah, we've impacted folks, but the largest impact is on us. And what we bring back to our church and bring back to the people that are around us and, and that fire that comes along with it of wanting to help people. If you don't have the means to it or if you really don't have the fire for it yet, um, second Saturday, Doing stuff here right in the in Milwaukee area is such a big deal. Um, those folks are far away from God too. It's just for people, it's just loving people. It's what Jesus wanted us to do, is just go love people. Let, let you be the light and let them ask the questions on why you are that way. And I'm telling you, even helping folks around the corner on, on a second Saturday, if that doesn't get you going, nothing will. Christ follower, you have to have faith. So I have faith in God. See what he'll do.